Welcome back to another episode of Geek Life, the indie comics podcast on Pandamanga.com. I'm your host, JP. As always with me are my fearless co-hosts, Joe. Oh, I was going to do that, uh, but that'd be way bad out of context. <laughs> we're, we're messing around here. And Marcus told this terrible joke that ended in, uh... Uh, cool, hold nah, on, wait. Nah, nah. Yeah. <laughs> that is the punchline to our "What does a hip hop zombie sound like?" joke, <laughs> created by yours truly. It's slightly racist, and I do not apologize. It's funny. I mean, it's still del- it's delightfully funny. <laughs> delightfully. Yeah. Of course, we also have Marcus. You know, guys, uh, bananas are going extinct, so enjoy your phallic fruit while you still can. Mm, it's good. Aww. It's good advice. It's good advice. It's very sad. The Panama disease has mutated, and it's taking over bananas. Shit, really. Yeah, look it up on the internet. It's dun, fucking wild. Dun, dun. Wait, whatever will I do with my smoothies? My smoothies will not be right ever again. Right, but Anna's are going to be... It's going to be a problem. Super expensive. Avocados? Avocados for your smoothie. Hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm, or not, ice cream. Not for the ice cream. I, I use ice cream in my smoothies. <laughs> <laughs> with chocolate and sprinkles. That's what I use for my smoothies. <laughs> so in other words, you make milkshakes. I make healthy healthy smoothies, yeah, out of, out of ice cream. <laughs> so when you blend it up, it just makes it healthier. Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. If I can hear the blender noise, that then I'm like, oh man, I'm losing weight already. This is good. <laughs> that's uh, that's 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 good. That's life advice. You stick it right up there. against your abs like those things at uh, electric shock. Oh my god, yeah. do you remember those? No, do you remember those old? It was like a band that was hooked to this rotary device that would go and shake people's fat and be like, you're losing weight, motherfucker. You see it in like old timey fitness videos. Yeah, yeah. The main character's mom from A Blast from the Past was using that while she was drinking a martini. That's right. That's right. That's so funny. Well, just in case you were wondering, this is an indie comics podcast, and today we are talking about An Apocalypse by Adam Talley. Adam got a hold of me through our website, which you can go to contact.pandamanga.com and fill out the form located there if you'd like to send us a request, question, idea, insight, anything like that. Let us know, and we're always excited to meet new people, talk to them, and potentially cover them on the podcast. So, Adam's book, An Apocalypse. Holy crap. that it has something to do about the apocalypse. <laughs> and a girl named Anna in the apocalypse. But when you say it, it sounds like you're just referring, you're referencing an apocalypse. Oh, oh that's true. There that's was true. an apocalypse that happened. So. Is that grammatically correct? Yeah. <laughs> of many. So this, this one. Wow. <laughs> Does that mean? Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so much, so much, so much of stuff. Wow. The word gratuitous comes to mind. The word gratuitous, over the top, mm-hmm. insane, hilarious amounts of, all those sort of, yeah. yeah, all those sort of... Like, we've been watching a bunch of Grindhouse movies See, lately. now that's that's the point I wanted to bring up. This was my big revelation. Because as I was reading this, this is, gosh, a good 80 pages of, of comic, but three yeah. issues worth or so. And it's insanely violent incredibly like violently sexual gory (laughs) gory crazy just insane it's totally insane and at first i was kind of thinking to myself i'm not sure if i'm enjoying this because sometimes you get in independent comics you get people that it's i don't know how to describe it's like our secret like serial killers (laughs) well (laughs) well, no no no, i guess what i'm trying to say is that sometimes when you get people that are doing independent comics they play out their nasty fantasies in the comic book can I finish? <laughs> if you if you give me Can one I? more, I'll, I'll, I'll stop. <laughs> one more? Yeah. Sometimes you want to... Should I say, can I say rape? I don't want to say rape. <laughs> I have little kids, so at home I say R-A-P-E, but then I, I don't say it. 
sometimes when you're doing e-commerce. Grapes without a G. There you go. You grape without a G or you feel the need to put in grape without a G just because you can. Yeah, it, it felt it felt a little bit like, you know, violence and sexual violence and foul language just for the sake of it. Yeah, sure, it's the apocalypse. Yeah, sure, there's no rules. Yeah, there's not really any governing body or policeman or consequences for the lifestyle you choose to lead in this crazy and apocalypse world. But there was just a little bit like people don't talk that way. There's no real reason to cuss that much. There's no real like, you know what I mean? Like it just seemed a little bit too far, a little bit beyond what was reasonable, especially considering that this world is supposed to be just a couple months after the apocalypse, right? It's not... 15 years after yeah. the apocalypse when we've just devolved into these monstrous creatures that survive based on viciousness and, and savvy. Like, it's different. But don't you think that, like, right after the apocalypse, when everyone's still getting used to the, my God, there are no rules sort of thing, that it's going to be a lot of just gratuitous cussing and peeing on things. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. But I also still think like, that there's the no more police. I can pee on okay, anything. Wait, wait. But the I, poli- think, I think Joe's writing a comic because I don't think there was any peeing on things in there, was there? But Joe's <laughs> well, like, I got, I got the plot for my apocalypse. Joe just like puts and like there's like a lot of pa- peeing on things every page. Joe's just throwing pages in Wouldn't there and drawing his own. <laughs> there are no more rules. What are you going to do first? Pee on everything. Pee on Everything. Just everything you see. That's the first thing you go to. <laughs> All right. I like that, Joe. That's funny. I mean, uh, I, my instant relief would be like no credit card debt, but yours is urination, so that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so what you're saying, Joe, is you're driving on the road, you look at stuff and you're like, I'd like to pee on that. I'd like to pee on and that. that. I think we're learning what it is. It's all yours. <laughs> <laughs> Claim. Uh, so what I was saying is that it feels like it was just violent for the sake of being violent. Just gratuitous for the sake of being gratuitous. There wasn't really any rhyme or reason to it, especially considering it was so close after the apocalypse, where there's probably still going to be some remnants, some holdout of the previous society, even at least for a couple months. One of my favorite post-apocalyptic shows is Jericho, and Jericho continues on with a semblance of normalcy for a while until resources start to dwindle, and so they start to run into people that are a little bit more crazy. But, you know, there's, there's a time where you can imagine things kind of coast along. Anyway, so it just felt like crazy for the sake of crazy. And then I was like, wait, crazy for the sake of crazy? This is a Grindhouse comic. And then, like, I literally stopped, started over, because <laughs> I was, like, like halfway through, and I was like, wait, wait, this is a Grindhouse comic. Stopped, started over. And then every time that there was too much cussing to be tasteful or too much violence or sexual violence to be tasteful, it was kind of like, <laughs> it's Grindhouse. And so all of a sudden, I actually liked it. All of a sudden, I was like, okay. You know, because somehow, like, if anybody listening has watched a Grindhouse movie, and I guess in recent memory, they have the Grindhouse double feature that was Planet Terror and Death Proof from Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. But there's a rich history of crazy ass over the top exploitation type movies in the Grindhouse genre. And they are unbelievably violent. The plots are relatively thin. There's sort of bodacious babes for no reason. There's lots of sexual violence. There's lots of violence against women. And there's also very regularly lots of really badass kick ass women. And it just seems like, oh, that's what this is. This is like, I mean, if it had said an apocalypse, a grindhouse story or something like that, I would have way liked it right away more because it took a while for me to get there. The first issue ends and it's sort of heading towards just like, this is just gross, you know? Mm -hmm. And the story is all right, but it's sort of like, there's nothing that's like, wow, that's really brilliant. It's just kind of sort of what you would expect and really over the top gross. And then... I thought to myself, after I got deep enough in, it was like, wait, this is this is really just like a grindhouse film. This is mm-hmm. all over the top on purpose. It's crazy on purpose. It's not trying to find that knife's edge to walk with 
just showing enough, having crazy enough characters that you really don't like them, but not making it too far where it's kind of beyond the the sense of good, of my personal good taste. Obviously, everybody has their own sense. I don't want to get into the whole good taste battle because that's a deep, dark pit, and then pretty mm-hmm. soon we're putting the comics code on things and yeah. everything goes to the dogs. But my thinking is, is that, you know, there is sort of a realm that we tend to sit in, and a lot of the time... In face comics. eating is not usually face in, eating in you know on page ten is <laughs> not not normal corpse loving <laughs> also not you know especially as like almost really explicit as it as it almost was it was like right there you know it was like mm-hmm. just I mean luckily that wasn't as explicit as it could have been but <laughs> yeah I mean <laughs> yeah that, that silver lining to... I guess it could have been worse <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. it could have been a way and I mean right. I don't mean worse as in the content of the comic book was bad content I mean worse as in it could have been more he more detail than is necessary he could have yeah. pushed it and probably gotten on, on an FBI watch list <laughs> yeah basically you know I think the final issue where there's the big showdown between Anna and Messiah and all his people right then that's where it really settles into like this is just insane over the top crazy violence for the fun of it okay take just a second for the fun of it take a second and just go over what the general plot yeah, of so why don't we talk of, about of that the first was. okay so what we'll do is we'll start story okay so the story of an apocalypse it was two months ago the governments failed major cities were targeted final talks broke down last ditch efforts were launched they failed in moments millions perished those that remain behind have scattered they struggle for food and shelter Only those strong enough or insane enough have survived. Those that remain are left to die in vain trying to hold on to a piece of the old life as it was known. It is here where our story begins. And in the background, there's actually a a nuclear explosion. So I guess it was nuclear apocalypse, Mm. it seems. Okay. Well, there was... They mentioned, you know, the explosions and... And the radiation. radiation. Sure, 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 sure. sure. Yeah. One, two, three, four. That was five sures. Just FYI. Sures? That's a lot of sh- sure, 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 sure. No, you said sure, 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 and I counted them. I'm glad you did. You're welcome. Knowing is apparently half the battle, according to some dudes. Have it's you seen those hilarious, <laughs> those YouTube videos of those, like, public service announcements? No. <laughs> They're amazing. Okay. L- look them up. They're, I forget what the, you know what I'm talking about, Joe. We watched the, the G.I. Joe party, right? The yeah. G.I. Joe ones, where it's uh-huh. crazy. Like, the guy comes up, and he's the dude that's always in the water. Mm-hmm. He's my favorite. Because he comes up, and... The kids say, hi, so-and-so, whatever his name was. And he goes, <laughs> and then they just continue to talk to him like they can understand him. And he just, you know, just making weird noises. All right, moving on. Right. So after the apocalypse has happened, only two months prior, evidently the world has already devolved into an absolute mayhem of craziness. And it seems like men everywhere have had the flip switched in them to become misogynistic raping monsters. Mm-hmm. Now, I've been thinking about this a lot in the last five minutes. And I think, <laughs> I think Joe has a point. In Peeing that. on everything. Right, <laughs> with the exception Come of on. with the exception of urination covering, like giving it a nice coat of urine over everything. I think he has a point in that, like, if there were to be an apocalyptic event, I might actually expect it to be worse like at and first yeah, because yeah, yeah. people's re- that's their first reaction to holy shit, everything's yeah, they're going to act in a way that's not sustainable. Sure, mm-hmm. sure, sure, that makes sense. I guess you could you could sort of guess it might happen either way. You, it's either going to happen first or it's going to happen after resources have dwindled. Was it seven yeah. insurers there? No, that was only three, but I'm adding to your first five. Oh, okay. So we're we're keeping nine. a running count. Ding! <laughs> nice. Or it could happen, you could have a lull where shit hits the fan, everyone goes crazy, loses their mind because of the apocalypse. 
everyone realizes it's not sustainable and they act normal for a while. And then just like a roller coaster going back up again, once they start to dwindle on resources, everything starts to go south again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would guess it would happen. Mm-hmm. I can see that for this uh, theoretical lesson yeah. with Marcus. But yeah. there is going to be that initial oh shit moment. Yeah, sure. Where you decided you need to urine Pee and, on everything yeah. and um, rape and murder and eat people's faces. Now nah, I'll be good just peeing on stuff. <laughs> so, like, if you were in the apocalypse and someone was like eating someone's face, you'd be, you'd be, you'd be, you'd be, be like, standing there like just peeing on, on something him. else, and you're like, "That guy is extreme." Like, <laughs> <laughs> that guy no, just lost. Thank it. you. <laughs> what his problem is, man. This this right here is the freedom. <laughs> oh, he just doesn't get it. <laughs> We're going to make a new comic. It's going to be called Apocalypse Joe. And it's just you, just your adventures just peeing wee-oo. on things and the results of, of said urine, urine fun. <laughs> I'm just imagining this, this scene where people are scavenging for resources and there's this young child and he's like, you know, sees a can of food and then Joe's off in the distance and he sees the can of food and they both look at each other, look at the can of food, look at the child, look at the can of food and then they run at the can of food and then the, and the camera jumps in and it watches the food and they're running and it clips to one running, the other one running the other, and then they get closer and closer and the kid dives and reaches for the can and then Joe just pisses on the can <laughs> and he's he like, what? Claim. He's like, that's mine now and the kid's like, but I have it. No, 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 no. <laughs> you don't know the rules. I've claimed it. I've yeah. claimed it. It's As a mine. matter of fact, I own your hand too now. <laughs> I just adopted you. <laughs> Here, hold this while I pee. <laughs> it's a binding contract, bitch. Mm. Okay, so now back to the point. So yeah, so that's kind of the situation. And basically, Anna is a really badass, blowing people up with uh, her shotgun kind of gal. She seems to have settled into this post-apocalyptic world pretty comfortably in comparison to a lot of the other people. We get characters that are not real comfortable with the environment, still trying to treat people the way and expect to be treated the way that they were before. You know, leaning a little bit on some kind of unrealistic civility, civility and ideals that just are not in play anymore. Specifically, I'm thinking of Lori. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you've got just the people that are absolutely insane and crazy, like Messiah and his gang of raping, like face-eating monsters. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Basically, you've got these two girls, and then all the other guys in the whole world are just monsters. Yeah. Well, or in this area. Okay, so I would say the character breakdown is you have uh, the two girls, Anna and Lori, who uh, you know are couldn't be more like the odd couple, Bert and Ernie, like mm-hmm. um, <laughs> different. Um, you have the Messiah and his group of crazies, Joe and probably they, included. They, people call him Messiah. They call him Messiah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he looked to me like uh, the illustrations of the Man in Black from the Stan comics. Hmm. And then you have um, the other characters that are in this are there's a cat named Milo and then there's all the victims that just they randomly <laughs> find victims to just destroy throughout yeah. the books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Preacher, they tear his jaw. I mean, it, the, the bad guys kind of remind me of the bad guys from the second Road Warrior movie or the mm-hmm. second. Yeah. Second. Yeah. One? Is that one that called? Beyond, or, no, not Beyond Thunder. No, yeah. Just uh, Road Warrior. First yes. one was. Did you guys. see the fan art at the back of the book? Uh-huh. Someone did the Muppets in the uh, post-apocalyptic. Was yeah. Kermit was wearing the, the, the Mad the Max. Humongous, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it it definitely had a Mad Max kind of feel for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, but the bad guys, they felt a lot like the bad guys from Road Warrior. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're just unapologetically merciless. And they're mm-hmm. out to have fun. They don't really care about anybody. They don't care about each other. They don't care about their victims. 
not really worried about sustainability. They're they just didn't even out seem, to have fun. They didn't even seem to really care about their Messiah. There was a point where he's preaching to them, and they're and he's like, "Crazy pants." He thinks he's like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're kind of like, "Yeah, whatever he says." They call him a fruitcake. Yeah, as yeah. long as we're getting to rape, pillage, and plunder, um, we're sticking we're with happy. him. Yeah, yeah, sure. But he's like, "We'll let we'll let him preach." He's yeah. crazy. Yeah, let him say whatever he wants. Yeah, but the people you know that are with him, they don't care about mm-hmm. him. They don't really believe in him. Which I guess I I was kind of enjoying that. I was enjoying the fact that. His people were kind of like thinking that I was what I was thinking. Like this guy's crazy pants. Mm-hmm. So I wonder why he was the leader of the group. Then I wonder why they he let him. He has the most lead. magnificent hair. That's probably that's it. how it works. And, and he's he also probably biggest. pissing on everything. Exactly. <laughs> See, <laughs> it makes sense when you think about. It. The only other hair of note that I can put would definitely be Joker's. Joker was one of his henchmen, along with uh, mm-hmm. Ron Weasley. Growing up, Ron Weasley was one of his henchmen too. <laughs> And the guy in the Kung Fu Gi. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I loved how in, and I mean, this is kind of art related and we'll get back to it later, but he would often introduce people in a frame and show the new character design. And I mean, you do enough character design, you draw enough random people. Every character, you're going to have to spend time making them look a certain way just so that they can kill them in the next panel. It was like, here's this guy. He's dead. Here's this guy. He's dead. <laughs> dead too. Here's this Woo. guy. He's dead. This guy's getting paid on by Joe. I do feel like even, even after... The revelation of, oh, I'm just going to treat this like a Grindhouse thing, and then all of a sudden, everything's okay. Because when we watched a Grindhouse movie the other day, Hobo with the Shotgun, which was really entertaining. But, like, at the end, like, the chick gets her arm destroyed, just, like, torn apart by a lawnmower. And you're thinking, like, this is terrible. All this violence and violence against women in particular, this whole movie. And then she turns around and stabs the main bad guy to death with her, rate, with her like, one of the bones in her arm. She's like, well, all right, stabby, stabby time. It was just so gnarly. And that's mm-hmm. the kind of level of just comically crazy violence that's going on here. And so once I had that sort of revelation where it's like, you know, I'm just going to I'm going to start over and I'm going to reread it and I'm going to pretend like this is on purpose, a grindhouse film style. And all of a sudden it all made sense. It clicked in, you know, all the crazy over violence, over sexuality, over everything, because it's just like too it's like too much. For it to be taken seriously, I think, yeah. you know, it's just so crazy that, you know, to me, it makes more sense to think of it that way. And all of a sudden I'm like, wait, if I look at it like a grindhouse film, then bang, everything seems to work for me. Because I've got a lot of these notes that I'd written down before I had actually gone back and reread this. You know, a lot of it is sort of <laughs> kind of like, well, you know, this was fun, but it was too much. Or this was also interesting, but it was kind of heavy handed, you know. Yeah. But having kind of come back with that revelation all of a sudden, it all works, I feel like. That being said, Adam, speaking to you directly now, sir, uh, you have to know when making a comic book like this, you're going to lose a large chunk of yep. audience off the bat. Yep. I hate to say it, but myself included. Yep. So I'm going to be trying to talk very subjectively about what works and what doesn't work um, as storytelling subjectively goes. Subjectively or objectively? Whatever. <laughs> you're stupid. Sure, 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 sure. Sure, 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 sure. Tally. <laughs> We're making shows actually counting them down on our whiteboard. I love it. Um... For me, I just, I don't like that kind of thing. I, I yeah. don't really watch Grindhouse movies a lot. Yeah. Um, it's not my cup of tea, if you will. Um, the Bates Hotel show premiered on the first episode. There's a rape. And so I decided right there, I don't want to watch the rest of it. Rape is particularly, I mean, beyond like, because there's a lot of things that people can use in movies. A lot of terrible violence and awful stuff that makes, can motivate a character for revenge or to overcome or this or that. And you know, there's a lot of things you can choose from. But I know from my personal experience all the media that I've come across that has rape in it, it's real hard for me to keep going. 
because rape in particular is really abhorrent and just awful. Yeah. To me, to me, I know, I, you know, I know some people it's like, hey, it's art. And he, and actually Adam in the back of the book talks about that, where he's coming up with this concept and trying to make it seem realistic and gritty. And, you know, he said, that, you know, he himself was kind of making him sick working on some of these scenes, you know, but then he thought back to a quote from a movie that he really appreciated. And, you know, uh, and the director, the director was talking to this actor who was having a hard time with this scene. And the director was like, hey, art isn't safe. And so he made that point, and, you know, and I, I kind of get that. But at the same time, like like Marcus is saying, like there's going to be a lot of people that right out of the gate just just categorically are just going to be like, nope, I'm not going to have any of that in my mind, even if because some people aren't like that. You know, like some people are just not going to ever watch art house film mm-hmm. because it's a appreciate, not enjoy. Really. I mean, you can enjoy it. Sure. But there's media that is meant to push the boundaries of things, meant to explore uncomfortable subjects and. There's a lot of people out there in the world that are just not into it. Just, they just don't want to go there. Even if it's interesting, even if it's challenging, even if it's fine, high art, it's not fun. Yeah. It's not entertaining. It's just disturbing. And you have to like kind of put your, am I liking this, my sensibilities and tastes, like set them aside. Exactly. So that you can actually just go, okay, how does this work? How is this art as an art form specifically? And I think that's hard. And, you, and you, the moment you put these kind of subjects in there, I agree. You just boom. You're gonna you're gonna cut a lot of your audience out. So now talking about just how the story works, I will say that I was impressed with the combination of dialogue and action because it's, there's a lot of action in it. Mm-hmm. And it took me a second when I was reading it, and I had to take a step back, and I was like, "Holy crap! This this page is full of dialogue." And he has dialogue, a, yeah. A pretty good balance of when it's action time, it's action time, and when it's dialogue time, he has some decent dialogue. I'll be, I don't really enjoy the the content of, of uh, what's happening. I can appreciate the fact that, that some serious writing ability went into the fa- went into making them say all the things that they might be the characters might be feeling in this story. It's not busy trying to hit action beats and then leaving all the characters and the character development in the dust. Yeah, you know when when bad things happen to some of the characters, it's like oh I'm right there with you Anna. Blow those bastards up. You exactly, know? and especially because uh, he pairs off Laurie and Anna from the very beginning, yeah. who have two polar opposite point of views on life and what life should be like after an apocalyptic situation. Yeah. It makes for good conversation because you know it's interesting what they, how they viewpoint, how they have different viewpoints, and how they discuss what should be happening after an event like that. I do wish that that Laurie was a little bit less extreme because she seems kind of unreasonable, not willing to engage in dialogue, just. This is how it is, and I'm stuck in this realm, and I'm not going to change my opinion, and I'm unmoving, and you're wrong, and I'm right. Mm-hmm. And so Anna tries, like, really most of the conversation is Anna being like, well, and trying to be reasonable with her, mm-hmm. and Lori's like, no, you're evil. Yeah, but I hate to say it, but I know people like that in real life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There are people so, like, like that in real it, life. So, like, to me, that character made sense. I the was character, like, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. That archetype is really easy to drop in there as, like, uh, okay... This is just a stupid character, and we're going to get that point of view in just and so it stirs that the we, pot. Yeah, it stirs the pot and reinforces what the main character is trying to say. Mm-hmm. But I like that they turned her around a little bit towards the end. Well, really, it's, made she, it should, more she about, just lost her faith, essentially. Yeah. Well, made Laurie's character more about keeping hope alive mm-hmm. rather than just, no, Jesus said this, and this is the way it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, there were there were like... There were intellectual ideas and theories that I was able to take away from this. It wasn't just like this happened, they said this, the action happened, the story's sure. over. The idea there was, that uh, there was something beneath okay, the surface. Their their concept of faith in this book was that she said God was going to protect her. Now, by that, 
does she mean that a physical form of God is going to come from from the heavens and protect her from the people who are trying to murder and rape her? Or could that be the fact that God sent Anna to go protect her? And Anna brings up that point. She's like, how do you know I'm not what God sent to protect you? And so there's like there's deep conversational um, theories that can like really be pulled out of the dialogue here that I wouldn't have expected to be able to pull out of a story that was so violent yeah. and gory. I kind of just thought that there was some real philosophical musing there for sure. Uh, if you look at the imagery, it's like, well, this is this is what it is. But I mean, the dialogue is is definitely worth a read. Definitely. Any other final thoughts? Definitely worth a read, except for the opening. That was just a little bit too verbose. I thought the first scene in the bar. No, the um, pre-credit the intro page. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, to me, that was. That was an explanation of the universe that they were in. I mean, I feel like it didn't go too in depth into the character and it didn't um, really, it didn't have a lot of cursing, which the rest of the book did. Yeah. It was just, a, you know, like a, pre- a precursor, an introduction that. It was a little melodramatic, though. Like what I took away from it is. I mean, it was repetition of the same words. You yeah. know, they failed, it failed, mm-hmm. you know. What I took away from it is it's two months after the end. Only those strong enough or crazy enough to survive are left. And those who are trying to hold on to a piece of the past. So, I, yeah, I, I think I disagree just because, I mean, like, and I totally see your point of view where it would have been extremely powerful and um, to the point if they had literally said those four sentences. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was Adam flexing his writing muscles. Oh, it was yeah. like the, the repetition of it failed, failed, mm-hmm. failed, failed was a writing technique sure. that mm-hmm. he was using. Um, and so I, I appreciated the introduction because um, it wasn't, there have been some books that I've read where the introduction is pages long. Yeah. And by the time you get to the comic book, you're like, well, I'm bored already. So this being that it was one page and John, you were able to read it like right here on the podcast. Yeah, sure. It was brief enough that it, you know, it it got the point across and it didn't keep me reading for too long. Although I can, like I said, I can totally understand the point of view you're talking about. It Mm could have been also equally powerful, possibly potentially more powerful had it been like a black page, four sentences. Yeah. So there's potential there. Just imagine like Ron Perlman reading the intro, (laughs) intro to like every Fallout game. And that has so they failed. It never changes. Yeah, exactly. It has. It's long. It is repetitious. Right. But it's you know it's dramatic. It's powerful. This one, I try and put Ron Perlman in my head reading it, and it just kind of sounds like him repeating the same four lines over and over again. Interesting. Yeah, I got yes, Ron Perlman does live in my head. I have Christopher Walken in mind. Ooh, <laughs> that sounds like a dark place, my friend. Joe was trying to get his point across. <laughs> He was trying with all his effort, but Marcus just didn't want to hear it. And that's okay for <laughs> we, Marcus. We can, we can disagree. It's totally Whoa. fine. <laughs> we need to do like a, a segment guy. that is just walking and just like walking and walking. It'd be the walking, walking, and walking. Walking, walking, walking. And with that, we'll go ahead and take a quick musical break. When we get back, we're going to get into the art of Adam Talley's An Apocalypse. You're listening to Geek Live. Stick with us. Thank you. 
to geek life we're talking about <laughs> an apocalypse <laughs> now jp i, I want to know oh, what what do you think about his art <laughs> i feel like this art style is obviously very well practiced but it definitely doesn't feel like the the art style i would choose or imagine with this kind of a story you know, everything about this is dark, it's gritty, it's adult, and you can kind of get away with some of that stuff with such cartoony kind of Sunday funny type character designs, but in the end it just ends up feeling kind of odd. You know, there's a scene where Messiah, the crazy leader, is talking to a corpse and then proceeds to make sweet, sweet, crazy man love to the corpse. And it was almost kind of like watching... Homer Simpson, you know, hump a dead body. It was just a little too, it was a little too cartoony for that sort of level. It's one thing like cartoon and violence. Cool. But that kind of a, this sort of a, you know, really like feels like sort of belongs in the Sunday funny sort of thing. Like very, mm -hmm. very well developed. Definitely a very distinctive style. It's expressive. The characters look different. But at the same time, the sexuality doesn't seem to fit with this art style to me. You Was know. the color palette too bright? The think? color palette is incredibly garish. Incredibly. It's so bright. There are characters that have practically neon colors. The, the grass in one section is unbelievably bright. Define garish real quick, because I'm not that smart. Marcus didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> A word had come across the conversation he had never heard before. Everything was dark. All right. Google officially says garish, obtrusively bright and showy, lurid. And now you know. And now you know. Now my Miriam And knowing is half the battle. So yeah, uh, the colors in particular are very, very bright. And again, kind of colors that sort of more belong in a Sunday funny. You know, something that's going to be printed on newsprint, which arguably really dampens colors a lot. And so on the, you know, reading it on the computer, or I would imagine in print as well, it's just so bright. And it reminds me of those reprints of the kind of mid-80s comic books that were so incredibly bright. What was the one? The Frank Miller's. Yeah, Frank Frank Miller's Wolverine. really yeah. famous four-piece Wolverine, where Wolverine goes to Japan. It's amazing and looks great. And I've been collecting the original prints of it. But at the same time, if you look at modern reprints of it with modern on, printing yeah, techniques glossy paper. on glossy paper, it's almost offensive how bright it is yeah. because it just doesn't work. And I think that part of the reason why they chose those colors was because the medium that it was coming out in actually it, it tones it, it down it. a lot. Yeah. So it dulls it a little bit. So it's a little bit yeah. less kind of in your face and made it actually kind of gritty. And yeah. Bright. And this, this again, this an apocalypse is really brightly colored. The palette is incredibly sort of neon and primary and like just the background in your always face. seems to be yellow yeah like a bright canary yellow and the palette could really use you know just some just some milding down a little bit you know hmm. when you're going to do a color comic palette is a huge piece of whether or not it will be successful and the palette of this was super bright and and garish it really was it was it was a little it was a little too much i was wanting for things to be a little more subdued but then again who knows whether that would have worked with the cartoony comic characters an art style, so I don't know. It's sort of a it's sort of a confusing thing. Like I said in the beginning, I really do feel like the art style as a whole doesn't really fit with this genre, especially this level of violence and sexuality and graphic conversational content and profanity, you know. Not that I universally object to those subjects in art, but it just doesn't seem to work so well with this particular way of expressing it. It just feels sort of just kind of like weird and wrong. See, I can get on the same page with you. 
pun intended. About about the colors being very, very bright. Too bright. I mean, the, the blonde guy's hair on, on the first little chunk of story that was in the bar who was trying to rape Lori was like... It looked like someone had went had colored it with a dirty highlighter, um, yeah. like neon yellow. <laughs> yeah, really bright yellow. Um, and actually, for some reason, I don't know if it's just the PDF version, but a little a little greenish in that yellow. But hence, dirty highlighter. Sure, sure. Um, <laughs> but to me, the character designs didn't really bother me a whole lot. I know another another indie comic artist in Sacramento named Andy who's doing an amazing graphic novel. His first shot out is not an individual comic; it's a full on graphic novel that's post apocalyptic, and he kind of has the same. Yeah, no kidding. He kind of has the same. Um, character style and for me it works it's it's fine i don't think i personally would choose it but it it works as a storytelling for this type of story the only thing about the the line work that really got me was the fact that there is absolutely zero uh variance in In line line weight weight. at all it looks like and i mean like i i hate to say it because i know that adam must have spent just oodles and goo gobs of time getting all this artwork in but when you have the same line weight and when you have computer-generated color variances, it kind of looks like it was done in MS Paint. That's that's the downside. And then also of with that, like the that. really and garish palette, it looks like you just went in and used the basic colors that show up with Photoshop. You know, you go over into your little swatch palette and you just went, I need red. Bang, hit the red one. You know, and it's like, no, 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 no. Like palettes are, I mean, a huge amount goes into choosing the correct palette. And it just felt too much like default red, default green. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, when I was reading this and I was trying to decide how I wanted to talk about the color palette, I took a closer look. And if you take a really close look, like specifically in the first couple pages, look at her skin, like on the, on the very first page of artwork, look at her yeah. skin on the back. <laughs> Skin's I'm, the best part. I'm sorry. <laughs> JP seemed to be aroused. <laughs> the conversation was going in a place he must have really enjoyed. Marcus was at a lack of words. The walking came out in him. If you look at the skin on her back, you can actually, if you zoom in, you can see that it's not just one flat color, which when I, my first read through, I was like, wow, he does a lot of flats. That's it. Sure. It wasn't until you actually look in like, oh, he's doing gradients. He's doing lots and lots of computer gradients. And what makes it look sort of flat to me is that on some parts, you know, her skin, for example, on that first page, the gradient isn't strong enough that I can actually notice it's a gradient without looking in close. Sure. And in other parts on that first page, for example, her jeans, the gradient is so strong that it looks like a poorly done computer gradient. And you put this together and that's what gives me the so sort of So you're saying like gradient paint. tool or like he was using a brush and building? Uh, it, it looks, looks like a gradient. Tool it looks like a me. gradient yeah. tool to me. Yeah. But with the really strong gradients and the really really weak gradients put together, it looks like you have some parts that are flat and you have some parts that just have really really strong MS Paint gradients. If you either went one way or the other and stuck with it, I think you could have uh, much more effective artwork. Like for example, if you spent some time and uh, played with... I'm not sure if you're doing this uh, in Photoshop, Adam, or what program you're using, but he spent more time and really focused on learning how to do um, the gradients. Like, just study... You know, a lot of modern comics use gradients. If you study a lot of modern comics, um, you can sort of try to get the techniques that current artists are using for their color gradients. And typically, gradient tool is a no-no. Yeah. You basically don't do that. Yeah. Yeah, I've been studying digital painting because it's not something I'm as familiar with. And some of the things that they've, you know, exercises that I've been doing are great. And they're basically what you would do in, you know, in a painting class. You, you know, they give you a 
a series of squares, little boxes in a row, you know, and you've got, essentially, you've got one color on one end, one color on the other, and you have to find a middle ground and then build your way through to basically create a gradient sort of swatch list. Mm -hmm. But what you do is to create that different, those different colors is you use that color and white or that color and black or that color and a darker color, you know, so like you don't, it doesn't have to be white or black, obviously, but, you know, and beyond that, really building it up with a brush going and being like, okay, here's this color and then color pick a darker color and then color pick a darker color and then color pick a lighter color and then go in with an eraser. And because there's so much cool stuff you can do if you're coloring on the computer, there's so much cool stuff you can do that it's like, there's no good reason aside from speed to use something like a gradient tool. Yeah. If you went either like a professional comic book artist style with your colors, or if you went in the other direction where you decided to make all of it flats and then changed from crosshatching for your shading to uh, like more tones with, with the flats, mm, I think yeah, that's a cool look. You could have a really extremely intense poppy sort of feel to your artwork. I'm thinking. And then the color scheme would work really well too with the, cause, cause pop art has that sort of bright garish. Exactly. Colors. And I'm thinking oh. like, um, if you haven't checked it out yet, look at Marvel's current, um, Phantom X series. They have a lot of really, really great um, tone and color work in there that could lend itself to the type of artwork that you have. In or look at Joe Apocalypse. Hill's the Cape. That's a. That's I was going nice... to say, yeah, or Cape too. Yeah, the Cape one has a really good me. look. Where essentially, instead of using tones in the sort of traditional or like the Japanese comic sense, you're basically having a tone for the whole page. And then in the really darkest areas or the areas you want to accentuate with tone, it has that one color. I mean, sorry, it has that one tone, which is the same. It's not a bunch of different tones with a bunch of different levels of gradient and with a bunch of blah, blah, blah. It's not like that. It's just one tone. And it's a really more for texture than for anything else. Yeah. But it would add a lot, I think. That's so, a good idea. I like that. I feel like you're in between two really great ideas for color. And I just want you to pick one or the other. So flats with uh, stronger uh, tonal shading. I mean, and I mean, I guess that could be kind of bias just because i really don't like cross hatching to the point where like everyone loves tmnt the the original team mutant ninja turtles and i don't i don't like it because there's just so much cross hatching it's not the style that I mean, it's duo tones, to but me. yeah it basically looks like cross hatching yeah it's it's not my style i would prefer if you did like it's not your the, jam it's not my jam you wouldn't pee on it if you wanted it i oh. would not pee on that no claim for me oh. i would prefer if you did okay. like flats with tones like screen tones yeah. on the entire thing now that being said what i did think was interesting was that when you went to color for the flashback of what anna used to do oh, the black and white i was like that took me straight to the walking dead yeah i was like wow like yeah. and i kind of was hope when i when i saw you change that i was like oh he's doing he's black gone, and white yeah. and, and i thought two and three in black and white that's exactly what i thought too yeah. i thought the black she, and white worked really well it yeah. did you could either be using this as a mechanism for the flashback or or you decided after the first issue, fuck it, I'm just going to do black and white for the rest of it. And to be honest, I was kind of hoping for that because the black and white looked so good. Yeah, um, It looked like the line weight started to vary a little bit in the black and white. Or was it just because it was that much darker? I mean, it could have been. I'm, I'm, I'm not positive. But Adam, if you ever decided you wanted to take Anna Apocalypse black and white, you have my seal of approval. Yeah, I don't think the line weight changed there. I think it was... Really just to... I'm trying to find color. it right but now. It looks yeah. really good. It looks much, much better. Yeah. And for some reason, I mean, you still... I'm looking at the black and white section right now. You still use gradients in there. For some reason, it works, though, with the black and white. <laughs> and I mean, actually, <laughs> I see on the back wall, there's one gradient showing the highlight of an opening of a door and then possible gradient stuff in the smoke work with the explosion. But 
it looks like you didn't use the gradients as much as you did in the actual artwork. But like some of the line work in the black and white section, for example, when uh, Anna is outside of uh, the explosion and she's outside and she sees the the skeleton of someone who died in the blast right? just laying there is yeah. beautiful it's artwork. Awesome. Yeah. It's amazing artwork. Her standing against the backdrop of the destroyed buildings. Oh my god, the silhouette, scene. the splash yeah, page of the silhouette so with awesome. the smoke rising from the collapsed buildings is awesome. If you wanted to make your entire comic book like this, all I would advise is, is I mean, not even advice, all I would prefer is less... Uh, hatching? Cross-hatching. Cross yeah, less less hatching um, would be pleasing to my eye, but I mean, you're not writing but this. But then again, that's just... That's just me. You're not writing yeah. this for me. You're writing this for yourself and for your audience who likes those kind of grindhouse It does this, this, you know, overall, this feels very much like a art style that's that's like on the edge of really blossoming. It feels like there's a lot of work that's gone in. There's definitely a style. There's definitely a direction. There's definitely growth on some of the comics. You can see his body of work online at idiothead.com. But it definitely feels like it's it's like just about to really, you know what I mean? Like it's just about to really explode. Yeah. Just about to hit its stride. Yeah. You know, this is the sort of thing you see a lot of webcomics start where they start and it's it's still a little rough. There's still some problems with proportion. There's still some problems with characters really looking like the same character. Some of the character faces are a little warped to one side. Some some of the perspective is a little funny, you know, that kind of stuff. Not a real huge amount of confidence on the background, some stuff like that. And then as you go, all of a sudden it's like all that stuff just cleans up. All that stuff tightens in, you know, and there's such a strong, strong vision that Adam has. Well, and, and then like some of the the artistic choices he made, like the flashback being in black and white, very nice. and then like her preparing for war in the black and red page was extremely sick. successful. That was sick. Yeah, that was sick. Um, so you're, I mean, you're taking some chances, and for the most part, I believe that they're paying off. The one thing, and it's a it's a bit of a pet peeve of mine because I struggle with this, is everybody's face looks like it's being kind of pulled a little bit to the upper right hand side of the page. Not their upper, their right side, but what I mean is, if you're looking at a face on, everything, like the right half of their face, from the viewer's perspective, it's a little it all looks a little skewed upper right, like it's being pulled vertically towards the right, upper right quadrant, or the upper right corner. Interesting. You know, the right eye is always a little higher than the left. And even when they're on an angle and it should be a little higher, it's even higher. You know, and, and if you look at that, and I've looked at his a huge amount of his stuff. He sent me a bunch of a bunch of his work and previews of his other stuff. And that that is something that happens all the time. It is a very consistent challenge that needs to be addressed because it really weakens the work. Because his character designs are clean, the art style is well developed, but it's almost as though he's like leaning on his left hand while he's drawing. Because this is what happens to me, is that I'll be I'll be drawing and then pretty soon I'll start to lean on my left hand. And start to draw, and the perspective gets skewed. And so, if you if you kind of come down and look at the paper from an angle, it fits. It's almost mm-hmm. like a funhouse mirror or like optical illusion. Mm-hmm. But when you look at it straight, it's sort of stretched out to that wrong side. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why or how this is happening. Maybe that's how it's happening. I don't know. But but this is something that is happening everywhere. I mean, really everywhere. Like, are you noticing it, Marcus? I am now that you're saying I'm yeah, it's subtle. Pages. It's subtle, but it's everywhere. And this is something that really needs to be addressed big time because it just it brings the level of polish down. And that's why, why I call it polish in particular, because it's not like a fundamental problem. But it's just a little bit of a skew that is the sort of thing that just sets someone apart from kind of amateur level to professional level. It really has that still struggling with some stuff kind of feel to it when you do those sort of things, especially with that level of consistency. You've got to have it be clean. You've got to have symmetry with the characters. You got, you know what I mean? Like that sort of stuff is so important. And if it happens here or there, fine. But if it's all the darn time, 
it gets to be where it's like, this is a challenge you have. You've got to pull that in. That's like really like out of all the things in the comic, like that's really my only like genuinely like this needs to get fixed. Constructive criticism Mm -hmm. is that that odd sort of almost like he free transformed and then pulled the right corner a little bit. You know, it's it's this weird sort of distortion. And it's just to me, it's incredibly distracting and something that I observe and look for in comics because it's something that I for years struggled with. And I still have to kind of make sure that that doesn't happen. I have to like kind of go through a check when I'm sketching before I get to the ink stage. It's like, are things lined up? Yeah. I want to say that when you put your lines down, Adam, when you're doing your coloring afterwards to use your lines, um, because I see like on, on a page where the Messiah has blood running from his mouth, you have lines indicating where his mouth is smattered with blood, but then your color is going outside of the lines. And then in the, in the frame directly below that, it looks like you have lines for the smoke that would be coming off of a burning church, but then you didn't use those lines as, gu- as yeah. guidelines for the color of the smoke. Yeah. And also, it looks like the, the gradient effect that you're using to create the smoke wasn't actually guided by lines at all. It looks like you were just like, and there's going to be smoke here and here and here, and then there's no lines for it. And I understand that you want your, your smoke to be an effect, but you can make effective smoke with the line, especially because everything in your comic is, has yeah, your line comic's art. It's a contour heavy comic. Yeah. It is. So it's don't, not, you know, yeah. there's not a lot of things that exist outside of the realm of being contained within and described by contour. So if you're going to use the contour throughout the comic, you know, keep the contour for the smoke just because it's a special effect doesn't mean you can't do it sure. correctly. And if you ever don't know how to do an effect, just look it up. Literally. I mean, Google is this, the best resource for artists nowadays. It used to be when people were doing comics and comic strips, they would have file cabinets full of just random pictures that they collected from newspapers or magazines or uh, National Geographic, where when they're coming across uh, an idea and they're like, well, I need to know how to draw a fire truck. They would go to their file cabinet and then they would pull out any clipping they had of a fire truck as reference. But us as artists in the modern day we have this wonderful internet at our fingertips yeah so, so we're totally ever, spoiled if you ever need assistance figuring out how to do something in your particular style just type in like contoured smoke myself i'm i'm looking to kind of make my style stronger and i see that uh my style looks a lot like kind of bill waterson's calvin and Hobbes. so whenever i'm trying to figure out how he does a certain effect or a certain type of background i'll actually look up and i'll search through all of his artwork looking for how he does a certain thing so that i know how it can be done effectively within that style yeah, you know she hasn't been on the podcast for a while but but pink she's got a really good perspective on this and i've quoted it several times so those of you that have heard it a million times too bad it's a good thing to hear if you don't know how to draw something go find out yeah don't don't wing it don't wing it, man. It's not worth it. It's just not. Even if somebody can, like just today we were talking, I, Joe challenged me to draw a picture that it was involving a a bear. And so, you know, I started to draw and I was like, yeah, you know, I, I could draw a bear and I could make it look like a bear and people could see it and go, oh, that's a bear. But it doesn't, to me, feel like I know how to draw a bear. You know, I haven't assimilated the like, this is the shape of the black bear's ear, like specifically, like this is the shape of the ear. This is how the snout works. This is how the nose works. This, I could, I could show you how to do it. Like I don't have, I don't have it ingrained yet. I can pull from the ether things that I can imagine are sort of like a bear and people can go, Oh, that that's probably a bear. But you know, I want somebody to look at it and go, Oh, that's a bear, man. That looks like a bear, you know? And there's just something about, so basically I've just been drawing bears, (laughs) you know? And, but that's the thing, you know, our, our friend pink, she's one of the finest artists I know. And she's always doing studies. She's, you know, she's got something that involves something she's not familiar with. And so what does she do? She draws it a gajillion times. That's a real word, by the way. And, but that's the thing. It's like, that's what she says. And she's, she's got a kind of a dry humor about her. And so it does seem a little short, you know, so don't read into that too much. But the idea of like, if you don't know how to draw something, go find out, go find out. 
just go look it up. And like Marcus said, we've got everything at our fingertips now. I said bear. I typed in brown bear and I downloaded like 15 pictures and put them on my phone. And that's all I've been doing is just been drawing brown bears. There you go. And Joe's not allowed to piss on the brown bears. Oh, no, you wouldn't want to pee on the bears. I don't know. If you peed on a bear and then all of a sudden, ba-ding, you got like, like a new companion. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my no. God. That would be awesome. It's a superpower. <laughs> you pee you on get, something and it has it, loyalty make it, to you? You make it your thrall. It's you your familiar all of a sudden? And then, boom, wow. thralled. A bear is just walking through the woods. And He's like running at you and you're like, you're like Joe's like whipping it out. And then just master. Uh, I would terrible. drink a lot more soda. Yes, you would. All right. So any final thoughts about Anapocalypse? I think you're going in a good direction. I think you're going yes. in a really, really good direction. Color-wise, there's some things that need to be cleaned up or, you know, I'm crossing my fingers, convert it all to black and white. Woo! Um, so, it would look amazing. It would look amazing. I feel like you're going in, in the right direction. Like I said, the story, you have to know by doing the kind of story that you're doing, you're dropping off a huge chunk of audience immediately um, myself included I, as much as i like the artwork i'm probably not going to continue reading this just because i i'm not a big fan of the gory and yeah. and the rape and yeah. the post-mortem loving um but you, you mean it you, it's so romantic i know it's 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 solid storytelling for what it is and i feel like it's sure. something that i don't talk about enough in podcasts because i always forget about it i get so wrapped up in the technicality of how something is drawn, how well something is executed, mm-hmm. whether it's successful or not, and what it's trying to convey, that I forget the fact that as artist, you're a director. And never once during the entire thing that I was reading was I like, I don't know how he got from this frame to this frame. You were in order no, and in clear. sequence. As a director, it made sense all I mean, the way through. There even seemed to be some some, heavy, some heavier underlying things going on. You know, a theme of, of a strong woman, a theme of questioning the value and place of faith and religion and... You know, the dark side and the light side of that and how that really plays into a serious situation. I mean, at times it was almost feeling like a little heavy handed, the religious sort of stuff. But at the same time, that very well could be a big part of what you're trying to say, because a comic book can have this, a story can have, you know, kind of there's like there's a great book by Brian McDonald called Invisible Ink. And he describes it as there's there's the ink you see, which is just like the outline, the this happened, then this happened, then this happened. And then there's the invisible ink of beneath that where here's what's really going on. Here's what I'm really saying. Yeah. You know, this, you know, this is a story really about love and loss, not a story about, you know, a guy whose dog died. You know what I mean? Like that's what's going on. And so you have, you've, you're, you're tapping into that in a big way. And I, I think that that's really cool. So this, you know, this story has something to say. It's not just an if then kind of story. Exactly. And so like you were saying uh, earlier, we we're having a conversation downstairs. We're talking about comics as we often do before this podcast. And, and J- after this podcast. And after this podcast. And during this podcast. And during the podcast. J- JP was saying that um, sure. Sure, sure, you sure, want to sure. follow, in order to, to really enjoy the comics that you're picking out, you tend to now follow the writers. Yeah. And I think more so than what's prevalent in this story than the artwork is the fact that I did not like your story whatsoever, but I loved your dialogue. So as a writer, you were extremely successful in that sense. For you to write something that I don't like, but then because of the way that you wrote it to make me like, that's extremely successful to me. That's changing my mind. Because you don't like the subject and what's happening. Yeah. To the point where it makes you kind of not want to read it, but at the same time, you care about what's happening to the characters. Exactly. It has enough interesting themes and and dialogue that it really shows off your, your ability as a writer. Totally. If you were to ever write something that did not include rape, I would be a big fan. And if you'd like to find some things that do not include rape, you can go to idiothead.com and look at Adam's other projects, which there are various and many of. 
Oh, and he's actually been been a cartoonist for a long time and does a lot of cool things. You can find his podcasts on there. You can purchase his work, including Anapocalypse, among other things. So make sure to check out Adam's website at idiothead.com. Thanks for listening to Geek Life. We always love to hear from our listeners. Please email us at geeklife.com with your questions, comments, and insights. Anyone interested in becoming a PM contributor can visit our contact page at contact.pandamanga.com and complete the form located there. Music for this episode has been provided by AirPlus Recordings. As always, links to the artists and songs featured on this episode are available in the show notes at podcast.pandamanga.com. If you'd like more information about AirPlus Recordings, visit airplusrecordings.com. 27 shares later, we will see you next Was that time. the number? 27 shares? What I just said doesn't count, right? No. 20, okay. 28. Right. Deal. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys next time. I get horny. Fozzie Bear comes out. (laughs) (laughs) Waka, waka, waka. (laughs) Like dark Fozzie Bear. Waka, waka. Giggity. (laughs) Uh, um, I'm weird for wanting to pee on stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, mm Mm-hmm.